Matthew chapter 11. I want you to see this passage here today. And I'm going to read a little bit in Philippians. We haven't left our series here. I just want to give you the, the verse that I'm, a couple of verses I'm focusing on in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, appreciate the, uh, the choice of song, uh, talking about serving the Lord no matter what. And today, uh, my message is called Yoking with Christ in Service. In Service. So we know that's of the Lord. Amen. And so I'm going to read you verse number one down to verse number six of chapter four. And then we'll go to Matthew chapter 11. It says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Let's pray. Father, I just ask you, Lord, that you would just guide in this message this morning. Lord, I want it to be a help to each one of us in our uh, Christian lives to seek a greater uh, place in serving you. Uh, Lord, we want to yoke together with you. We want to do the things that you want us to do. And I pray you just use this message to prepare us, help us to make a decision today to just serve you with all of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for this time. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we were talking about last week, we were talking about the yoke, the yoke. And we were talking about yoking with Christ in salvation. We looked at Matthew chapter 11. It says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And that's really a salvation invitation right there. Uh, Come unto me. Uh, We're going to take off to the next uh, part of that particular verse. I'm going to have to go up here a bit. It says in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, as I look at verses like this, they sound really good to me. I like that. It's a, it's a, it's a nice sounding verse. But my whole thing is, I want to know what does this mean? <laughs> you know, what, what does this mean to me practically? And when he says, for my yoke is easy, now that sounds good to me. I like easy yokes, not hard yokes. But what does that mean and how do I get that? Is it one thing just to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you and it's always going to be easy? Well, that's not true. But you know what? Sometimes when you're, when you're pulling a yoke, and of course, I'll go back again and I'll show you what a yoke is. I think I may have a picture there. Maybe I don't. I don't think I do. Um, a yoke was a piece of wood that you put on two oxen and it would keep them coupled together, partnered together, so that they could pull a plow and they would basically cut the plow for the seed that the farmer is going to plant. So it's about productivity. It's about serving. And so yoking is about serving. And so here in Matthew chapter 11, he tells us, take my yoke upon you. 
So obviously, he's got a yoke, much like the yoke that you would see on an oxen, much like we see in this passage in verse number three, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, true yoke fellow. So that means that in the context of our local churches, we are in a yoke, and we're supposed to yoke together, and we're supposed to pull the plow, and we're supposed to be a part of this planting process and and see fruit produced out of our labor. And so we know that we're supposed to be yoked together. We know in the scriptures that ultimately we have to first be yoked with Christ, and then when we're yoked with Christ, we can have a true yoke with one another. (laughs) Now that word true means sincere, the sincere thing. Now this is the problem today. (laughs) We need Christians that are sincere, sincere, they're true, true hearted. You're not here to get what you want. You are here to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are here to sacrifice for the Lord and for the cause of Christ. You are here to do your part in getting souls into the kingdom. Folks, because there's people that are going to die and go to hell. Sincere Christians. Not always about what program do you have. Oh, if you don't have the right program, then I'm out of (laughs) here. That's not a sincere or a true yoke fellow. Oh, hey, you let me do this in church. If I can't do this thing in church, then I'm going to go find a church that will let me do that. See, (laughs) you're missing something. The church isn't about you doing what you want to do. It's about you being placed into the yoke that Jesus wants you to be in. (laughs) Amen? That's what being in the church is all about. And so if church is just about me, what I get from you, hey, preacher, what are you going to do for me? Folks, and I know it's, it's strange today because <laughs> it's all about that in churches. Preacher, what are you going to do for us? Why should I stay here? My thing is, well, why should I let you stay here? This is the privilege for people to come to the house of God. It's a privilege to be under the sound of the preaching of the word of God. Don't you know that I've seen for decades that there are places throughout this world that would die to have a church where people would stand up and preach this book? And yet we today, we take it for granted in such a way we'd walk on a dime. We're out of here. We don't care. (laughs) Oh, these people out there would be ashamed of you. Ashamed of your uh, lackadaisical attitude towards the things of God. Because these people, they walk miles to have someone preach the word of God to them. They give everything to do what what God would have them to do. They're looking for a yoke to put on them. Amen. Amen. And here we fight it. <clears throat> oh, no, I, I, you know, I'll come, but I'm, I'm going to do my own thing here. <laughs> Folks, you're welcome to come. You're not welcome to do your own thing, <laughs> Amen. but you're welcome to come. But folks, I'm going to tell you my heart in all this. My heart in this church is to get a whole bunch of people together in a true yoke sincerely so we could do something for God because I believe we're on the last stretch of the race. I believe that the time is coming where Jesus Christ will return and I'm not going to sit here and just fly around and and not be profitable in the little time that we have. We've got to take this seriously. We've got to awake from the dead. Thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, the Bible says. And Christ shall give thee light. Amen. That's what we need today. True yoke fellows. You fellers, I'm from the south. 
to join together, to be yoked together, like in a marriage. My goodness, I'm glad that people treat their marriages better than they do their church memberships. Amen. Folks, that's what it means to yoke together. I remember I heard Paul's dad preach a message one time on, on the yoke of marriage, and he brought the whole yoke and everything. He brought the whole thing up there. You know? I tell you, he got people to come up there and put it on their neck and everything. That was a lot of fun. But you know, that's what it is. Two people uniting together to pull in the same direction. Yeah, we have people to say, oh, no, no, you can be married, but you've got to get separate accounts. You can't have the same bank account. We're living in a messed up world. You ought to have the same account that teaches you to work together as a husband and wife. Amen. Teaches you to have a, have a budget together and to actually sit down and talk to one another and say, hey, should I spend money here or there or what should we do? It's a part of the relationship building. Amen. But today what we're doing is we're dividing. And some of these billionaire gurus are pushing these things. Folks, don't listen to these guys. Listen to this book. The yoke tells you all that you need to know. True yoke fellows, sincere yoke fellows. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1.12, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. Amen. Sincerity, godliness. Titus chapter 2 verse 7 says, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity. Amen. In Ephesians 6 verse 24 it says, Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Truly. Oh, we talk about loving God. Oh, I love God. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's what he says. Not only that, he says, if you truly love me, this is the love of God, that you keep my commandments. And my commandments are not grievous. Grievous. If this morning, I don't know if you're uh, under, if you maybe have parents bringing you to church, if it was hard to get you to come to church, that means you don't love God. If it takes, if it takes someone to pull you out of bed to come to the house of God, I'm going to tell you, you don't love God. The Bible says if you love him, you'll keep his commandments and they will not be grievous to you. You know what we need today more than anything? We need people that actually enjoy doing the things of God. That it's such a part of their life, they, they couldn't imagine living without it. Now I understand when we start, it's always just tacking it on. It's always like, okay, I have my life, but now I'm going to tack on church. <laughs> I'm going to tack on the things of God. And, you know, we can go a long time like that, just tacking on the things of God. But, you know, over time, if, we, if our relationship with God grows, those things of God become incorporated into our life where there's no way we can live without them. Amen. I remember when I started, I started going to Sunday morning service sporadically. <laughs> you know, every now and then. Yeah, I don't mind. It's good. It's, it's okay, you know. And then the Lord began convicting my heart. 
oh, I better be a little more faithful. I, and you know what? It wasn't long, and all of a sudden, well, I probably need to go to Sunday night and Wednesday night. And I can honestly say since the late 90s, I haven't missed, unless we're on vacation or I was sick with COVID two years ago, I've not missed even a Wednesday night service. And it's not because, oh, well, I got to. Man, I get to. I love it. I love it. I love it. The devil hates it when I say that because every time I tell God that I love the church and I love the people of God, the devil tries hitting me with something that week to try to get me not to love it. And guess what? I go back in his face. I says, I love it anyways. Anyways. I love it anyways. It's a joy to my heart. I love it. There's no greater thing in my life. Well, maybe there's some great things, but there's no greater thing in my life when I see people of God come and sit in the house of God to get something from the Word of God. There's no greater experience on this planet. Yeah. Oh, folks, you got to love it. But I'll tell you something. You start talking to people that you love it, the devil's going to test you on that. That next week, he's going to put something on, you love it that much? <laughs> and you got to put it back in his face. Say, yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And you know what? Those great Christian people, they're going to slander you. They're going to cut you up. And the devil say, oh, you love it now? And you know what you just say? All right, yes, I do. I love it more than ever. I love the house of God. Folks, I love my church. I love it. Can you say that? Really? Can you in sincerity of your heart say, I love the house of God? If I would ask you to do it right now, could you? If I would ask you to say right now, I love my church, could you do it? Let's do it. I love my church. Let's do it again. I love my church. Amen. Was that hard? If that was hard, it's grievous. It's grievous. And that means there's a love relationship problem. That means there, there's a sincerity problem. There's a, I can't be a true yoke fellow until I can love the things of God. Amen. And I want to encourage you. I don't say that to embarrass you. I say that so that you can evaluate your own heart. You can get that right and be a part of God's plan for your life. Because the time is short. Our life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and vanishes away. Amen? Someone has estimated that an average member of the church has heard 6,000 sermons, <laughs> 8,000 congregational songs, and saved zero sinners. Someone once called the preacher to say he wanted to be he wanted a place, he wanted to be in church membership. But he wanted, went on to explain that he, didn't, he wasn't going to be faithful every week. He also said, I, I don't really like studying the Bible, I don't really want to visit people, and I surely don't want to be a teacher or anything like that in the church. Then the minister commended him for his desire to be a member, but told him that the church that he was looking for was located in another section of town. The man took the directions and hung up the phone and went on his way. When he arrived at that address, the man came face to face with a logical result 
of his own apathetic attitude. There stood an abandoned church building, boarded up and ready for demolition. See, that's the kind of church for people that don't want to yoke together. That's the kind of church that you'd have to attend if you don't want to do the things of God. That's the kind of church it's going to be if you don't love the house of God. That's ultimately where you're going to end up in that boarded up building. Folks, if we want to keep this church alive, we have got to learn to sacrifice ourselves for others, yoke together, and be sincere in our love for God and our love for the people in this church. And we've got to protect it. And we've got to fight for it. It's not easy. We've, we've got an army fighting us. You know that, right? Those demons are constantly working against us. We pray all the time for every service that the Lord would put a hedge above that he would set his mighty, mighty angels. And I believe in them. And I believe that God sends his angels and he puts them around our church house here. And I wouldn't doubt they have a sword drawn in their hand. And those little imps of hell, they come around, they see these mighty angels, they say, I ain't going close to there today. Folks, it's a fight. Yeah. It's a battle. Yeah. And we need to fight that fight. Let's not be a part of the problem. Let's always be a part of the solution. Amen? Matthew 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. You know that you must choose the yoke of Christ. You got to choose it. It's not something that's going to fall on your neck. <laughs> Amen? It's not something just by being in church. It's somehow just going to happen. That's why he says, take my yoke upon you. So the first thing he says, come unto me. And then he says, take the yoke. That means that you have to make a choice. You have to be willing to take that yoke and put it on your neck. That's a choice you make. It has to be a conscience decision to lift and to put on Christ's yoke of service. This is why the Apostle Paul had to ask them. He says, I entreat thee in the passage here. I entreat thee, true yoke fellow. That's asking, that's pleading. He's saying, please take up the yoke. Please help these people in the church. You know, you can't command people to do that kind of thing. If you're going to be a true yoke fellow, you have to simply do it because you want to in your heart. It's not something you do out of guilt. It's not something you do because, well, this is what's expected of me. To be a true yoke fellow, you in your own heart have to know that I want this. And this is important for us. And I care about people. And I love God. And I love the church. And so I'm going to put this yoke on my neck. I want this. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, the Bible says, he says, I make myself, I made myself a servant that I may gain the more. You understand? <clears throat> you start in a position of freedom. And people like that freedom. You know, I'm this guy, I can do what I want. Hey, I like the church. Hey, great going, guys. Like a good preaching. <laughs> but do you understand? You start in a place of freedom. And by choice, you take upon yourself servitude. It's not going to be forced on you. Amen. I'm trying not to guilt you into it, amen? But just by the fact that I'm preaching on it brings guilt, amen? 
But the fact of the matter is, it's something that you cannot be guilted into. It's not something that you can be forced to do. It's something you have to look, hey, I got my freedom. Nobody require anything of me today. But you have to put yourself in such a place. You know what? I want people to require something of me. The Apostle Paul put himself in such a yoke that he became a servant to everybody. That's tough to do. Because when you make yourself a servant, some people treat you like a servant. Amen. They abuse you like a servant. But even in all of that, you're still saying, you know what? I'd rather be a servant. I'd rather be a servant. And that's why Jesus said so many times, he says, the greatest among you is a servant among you. That's the greatest one. The apostles were arguing, who's going to be the greatest, Jesus? Who's going to sit at your right hand? (laughs) You want to know who the greatest is? The servant. That's what Jesus came to do. He made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of man, and became a servant and obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Paul asked the people to help. He says, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. So he was entreating them. He was saying, please, guys, go help those ladies. They need some help. And you know what? Sometimes you don't see everything. And sometimes, you know, especially for me as a pastor, I probably see more what needs to be done than most people that walk in the door. And so I may entreat you. I may say, hey, there's some people, they're doing this. They need some help. They're, they're giving a lot of time to it. You could take a lot of pressure off of them if someone would just show up and maybe take that yoke and put it on your neck. Amen. And so sometimes I'll entreat you to do that. It's a call for help. I like this word help. It actually means to clasp or to seize upon. So when someone says, I need help, they're saying, I need someone to seize upon this in my life. It's an opportunity for you to seize upon something. It's an opportunity for you to get your hands on something and to do something for somebody. Now, I know by having kids, there's different mentalities in service. There's the the kids that, when you ask them, they sit there and wait to see if someone else will do it first. Do you guys have kids like that? Your kids have never done that. (laughs) Jeremiah raises his head. (laughs) At least you're honest. (laughs) Lazy, but honest. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know? But you know what we need to do? We need to train ourselves train our children that when there's a need that's presented we got to teach them to seize it like that that's a true yoke fellow someone that when they hear it being said can i do that now sometimes you can't sometimes you you are locked in a schedule or i can't do that i'd love to do it preacher and i've had people telling me hey i would do it but i just can't hey it's okay obviously the lord doesn't want you to do that It must be someone else. But all I know is there is something that comes along for everyone where the Lord says, I want you to seize upon this. Are you willing to do it? There are needs, but we need to seize it. Are you listening? Are you listening to that? Do you have your ears open? You know what? It also doesn't hurt to say, you know what, preacher, or Mrs. Friesen, whoever's in the ministry here, if there's ever something you need me to do, please let me know. 
Don't do this. If you ever need someone to do this certain thing specifically, then let me know. Don't do that. See, because then you're putting yourself in a box. <laughs> then the next time, if we're not going to call you to do that specific thing, you're going to get angry with us. So what you need to do is make it a blanket. <laughs> and say, if there's anything, I just want you to know, my heart is that I want to be a help in the house of God. And there's nothing greater than, that can come out of your mouth and just saying, if you need any help, please let me know. I will seize upon that. Amen. I will help. Be careful about being too tailor-made in your service. <laughs> Amen. Well, if this is there and that's there, this, then I'll help. I want to tell you something about serving God. If I would have served God when it was convenient, you would not have a preacher today. And nor would you have a church. Service in its nature is always inconvenient. In fact, that's the test of service. <laughs> the test of service is if you're willing to be inconvenienced from your life, your schedule, for the Lord. <laughs> and if you're not willing to, then you'll never be a true yoke fellow. You never will. And that should be something you desire in your heart. That's what you want to be. Christians must take up Christ's yoke, but that means that you need to let go of yours. <laughs> need to let go of yours. Your agenda has got to go out the window. Amen. See, when we submit ourselves and humble ourselves in the house of God, what we're really doing is we're saying, Lord, I'm letting go of what I want to do. And I'm letting you choose what you want me to do. That's true servitude. But too many people come into the house of God saying, well, I could do this and they're not asking me. I can do that, they're not asked. And all you're doing is getting disgruntled and angry, which disqualifies you from serving God. You see, if you would humble yourself and just, just throw yourself out the window, amen, die to yourself. Say, it's not about me, it's not what I want. And if you could just say, you know what? If there's something that needs to be done, I'll do it. If I could possibly do it, I will do it. See, that's where you start. That's where it starts. And when you're like that, and you've got that kind of a heart, you know what the Lord does? He begins opening up specific opportunities for people. But he'll never tailor make a position for you according to your parameters. He's never going to do it. You will constantly be without serving. You're going to start blaming the preacher, blaming the preacher's wife, blaming somebody for why you're, you can't do what you want to do. That's not the way you serve Christ. You serve Christ by putting it out there humbly. What can I do? I'm willing to do it. Then let the Lord narrow what that means. See, that's putting it in his hands. Amen? That's what a true servant is. Can two walk together except they be agreed? That means God's not going to agree with you. You have to agree with God. <laughs> When you put Christ's yoke on, it's not him coming your way, it's you going his way. <laughs> Amen. He is the head oxen of that yoke. He is the one that's determining the strength of what you're doing. He's the one that is pulling. He's always the lead one. And in every yoke of oxen, there's always one oxen that is a little stronger and that 
maintains the leadership of that yoke. And Jesus Christ is that one. See, because that secondary oxen, he can't pull as much as the first. So what that first one does is he determines how I'm going to do it, how far we're going to do it, how hard we're going to pull, and he pulls on that oxen and makes it easier on the second oxen. And all the second one has to do is just continue working beside the first one. Amen? So you need to learn to let go of your agendas. You need to learn to let go of yourself. This is not about you. Well, if I go to that church, this is what I'm going to be. No, you just say, Lord, what do you want me to be? <laughs> I want to serve you. I want to do whatever you want me to do, Lord, and let him bring you there. Don't you trust him enough to bring you where you need to go? That's a qualifier for service. <laughs> Amen? We also must learn the right attitude in yoking with Christ. Notice what it says here. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Meek and lowly in heart. Then it says, you shall find rest unto your souls. But now it's not talking to lost people. It's talking to saved people. <laughs> so there's saved people that are trying to do something for God, but they don't have peace in their heart because they, they are not pulling the way that they ought to be pulling. They are not living the way they ought to be living. They are not serving the way they ought to be serving. And that's why they have no peace in their heart. Amen? So he says, if you learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, then you will find rest in your souls as a born-again believer serving Christ. Because there's a lot of people trying to serve Christ, they're not happy. They're not joyous. They're not doing it for the right reasons. They don't have the right attitude. Amen? I am meek and lowly in heart. So we need a meek and lowly attitude. So serving is not a proud thing. You're not looking for the, your name in lights. You're not wanting people to know you. You're not wanting your name to be put up there. See, folks, that's the first thing you need to understand about a local church is this is the body of who? Jesus Christ. You know, the only name we really need to know here is Jesus Christ. You have to learn to lose your identity. If you're not willing to do that, you can never truly be a servant of Christ. Never. Well, I want you to mention my name. What I've done. <laughs> well, if that's the way you operate, then you're obviously operating separate than the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it is, folks. If we're truly going to operate in a yoke with Christ, you have to lose your identity to Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I did this. How come I got no credit? <laughs> you should be simply happy that the Lord Jesus Christ gets glorified. Well, that's not enough. And that's why you're not a true yoke fellow and never will be. I'm just telling this to help you. <laughs> this is going to help you because if you don't change the way you're doing this, you're going to meet Jesus never truly serving the way God wanted you to serve. In this place, you have to lose yourself. And if you can't, you will never truly serve Jesus. And that's a sad thing. Amen? It really is. Meek and lowly. Um, 
Like the Bible says, he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If there's anything we know about serving Christ is we need grace to serve. If you're proud, there's a resistance. That means he's pushing against you. How can you truly pull a yoke with Christ if he's pushing against you? Amen? It doesn't work. <laughs> you can't do it. I like this verse in John 5, verse 30. It says, this is Jesus talking, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. You can be sure, if the Son of God says, I can of my own self do nothing, that you have no choice to say that you can absolutely do nothing. Amen? That's where our service starts. We have to say, I'm not, there is nothing good in me, God. All that's good in me is what you tell me to do, and I will do that according to your will. Then you can work your way through my life. You can serve through me. Amen? It's not about you. we got to die to that. We have to die to that. Israel, you talk about a people <laughs> that gives us a good, bad example. Exodus 32, verse 9, it says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. The word stiff-necked means impudent, obstinate, will not follow the Lord's way, has to do things their own way. Amen? As the plowman required one hand to guide the plow, he carried in the other hand what's called an ox goad. Actually, Shamgar killed an army with an ox goad. He was one of David's mighty men. This was a light pole shod with an iron spike. With this, he would prick the oxen upon the hind legs to increase their speed and upon the neck to turn or to keep the straight course when deviating. If an ox was hard to control or stubborn, it was hard of neck or stiff-necked. Hence, the figure was used in the scriptures to express the stubborn, untractable spirit of a people not responsive to the guiding of their God. So just like the, the ox, oxen driver goading and the oxen will not listen. And you got to get poked a little bit and you're still not listening. It's called being stiff-necked. When someone is stiff-necked, they refuse to give in to what others want or what God wants. It is simply meaning that someone that does not want to be led, they want to go their own way. I don't want to follow what you're saying here. It's a humbling thing to be a part of a local New Testament church because you have to choose to actually follow. And the Apostle Paul said that many times. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. You see, if you've never learned how to follow, you'll never learn how to lead. You've got to learn how to follow before you can lead. And if you're not a follower, you're a very poor leader. <laughs> Amen? Because you don't know what it's about. Israel just simply would not yield to the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 30, verse 8, it says this, Now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord. And enter into his sanctuary, 
which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. So the key word there is yield. The word yield means to give. To give. To take Christ's yoke is to give yourself to the Lord's will and way. See, that's how your service becomes easy. When you're not the one dictating what to do. The Lord is telling you what to do. My yoke is easy, he says. You don't have to determine the way. You don't have to determine what to do. I'll tell you what to do. <laughs> What's easier than that? <laughs> Amen. And yet, we become stiff-necked. And the Lord has got to prod us. He's got to chasten us. He's got to poke us. Why don't you listen to me? <laughs> All he wants to do is make you productive. He wants to make you useful. He wants to do something through your life. What a difference this would have made for Israel. Remember Kadesh Barnea? We talked about that. <laughs> if they just would have yielded at Kadesh Barnea and enter into the land, but they became stiff-necked, they wandered for 40 years, bearing no fruit. That's what happens. What about if they would have just listened in their idol worship? That they would have given their worship to God, not their own lusts and desires through false gods, it would have saved them from destruction, from Babylon, from Persia, all these nations coming down on it, the times of the Gentiles. They got their nation taken from them, all of that. It would have saved them all of that if they simply would have listened to what God said and worshiped God alone. But they were stiff-necked. Stiff-necked people resist the Holy Ghost working in their life. I don't know about you, but when I listen to a preaching message at the invitation time. See, that's the time where the Lord begins to work. This is where he's starting to tell you something. He says, this is the decision I want. And I know how it works because I've been there before where there's something that I know the Lord has brought to the top of my mind, but I've somehow excused that. <laughs> well, I can't deal with that right now. And then I turn my hard away from that maybe there's something else the lord wants me to do you know what no if he brought that to the top of your mind that's what he wants you to deal with and if you're not dealing with it you're stiff-necked you're stiff-necked and if you're stiff-necked you can't be blessed you can't serve you can't do anything for god we need to allow the holy spirit of god to guide us and to tell us what it is that he wants us to deal with I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what you're going through. But the Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved here today, he knows exactly what you're going through. And by the time we're done this message, that particular thing will be at the top of your brain and you have to say, yes, Lord. Man. Or you're going to walk out of here stiff-necked. Yeah. And you got it all excused, I understand. It's all justified why I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> but of the Holy Ghost of God, brought that to your attention today, you can be sure that he wants you to deal with that today. <laughs> Amen. In Acts 7 51, the, the deacon uh, Stephen, before he was killed, before he was stoned to death, he said to these Pharisees, ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. Man, that's a preacher. 
That's a preacher. That's a man that's putting it right where it ought to be. And folks, that's where it ought to be today. The Lord has got this yoke he wants to put upon us, but we have to give in. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit of God as he brings these things up in our heart. In John 12, verse 24, it says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That means before you can bring forth fruit, you need to die. You need to die to yourself. You need to let go of those selfish ambitions you have. You have to die to that. Then he says, then you can bring forth much fruit. It says, he that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Amen. Follow. Follow. You are not in control here. Putting on the yoke of Christ is letting him lead your life. It's letting him call the shots. you got to stop calling the shots. you got to stop saying, I'll do this and only this, preacher. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to do that. You just blanket and say, Lord, put the yoke on my neck. I want to serve you till Jesus comes. Those are the ones that get the crowns at the judgment seat of Christ. Not these ones that are always looking for specific things that are convenient for me, that make me look good. No, sir. Be that one that says, the Lord will just say, I can trust this person to do anything. That's where we got to be. When you will learn to hate your life here, then you will gain it. You'll get a new life. And that life is a blessed life. Oh, he says, learn of me. For I'm meek and lowly in heart. Let's bow our heads. I can of my own self do nothing. Oh, you understand, preacher? I've got a degree. I'm a theology student. Sometimes those theology degrees are what's keeping people from being true servants of God. And I'm all for degrees. I've got degrees. But that doesn't make me acceptable. That doesn't make me a true servant. You know all we need to be a true servant? Is to take up the yoke. Take up the yoke that the Lord has for you. It's Christ's yoke. It's not yours. You, you, have, you give up the right to determine what it is you do. You have to follow. In this church context, you maybe have to follow a teacher. You may have to follow the pastor. Well, I guarantee you'd have to follow the pastor. If you're against this pastor, you'll never serve here. Even if you serve, the Lord will not regard it because you're not serving truly, sincerely, out of love. And that's the kind of people that God wants in Energy Baptist Church. 
Now, the first thing is, are you willing to yoke with Christ and let him determine what it is that you're supposed to do? Now, that's a tall price sometimes. It can cost you. Sometimes it costs you family serving Christ. Are you willing? Are you willing to put on a yoke with a church member beside you Say, I love you, and I want to serve here in this church for you. Can I be a help to you? Do you love your church? Do you love the church family? If you've got bitterness in your heart, you're throwing away far more than you know. And you've got to deal with it. You've got to forgive. You've got to get that right. Maybe you've done something wrong to somebody. Maybe you've hurt somebody, their reputation. Maybe you've been spreading gossip about somebody. Maybe you need to get right. See, until you get that right, you'll never be a true yoke fellow. Oh, what an important word that is. Sincere, partner, fellow laborer. That's what I want in this.